0: Welcome to The Witcher Lorecast, the show that explores the vast lore behind The Witcher games, show, and books. Witchers! Welcome back to The Witcher Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm here with Toasty, our expert of all things having to do with terrible kings. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> Today, today's episode is about vesemir the second and radovid the fifth we're getting two monarchs in this episode probably because there's only so much information for each one is that why so we said it up that way
1: it's a weird thing so there's really only and it's going to be a split this is going to end up being kind of a two-parter okay. um because there's not a whole lot of information about vesemir the second but there's a bit too much information about Radovid the fifth <laughs> for one episode so we're going to talk about uh specifically we're going to talk about vicemin the second today um all about him and then we're going to talk about the canon quote canon stuff about radovid the fifth okay. and then Got next it. week we'll talk about uh radovid with all of his like game appearances stuff. right
0: because he's yeah. he continues on until the post book era Mm-hmm. so and then and then we're gonna i mean we've seen Vizimir in the show is that right
1: yeah but we're we haven't seen radovid. Have we seen radovid have we seen radovid radovid is uh a little a wee lad in the show a time, wee lad okay a wee lad got it got it um, all right so where do we
0: start we're starting with Vizimir the second Vizimir. visimir lots of eyes
1: yeah a lot of eyes uh so visimir the second known as the just uh was the king of redania and son to heribert it's, it's, it's like herbert but with an I in the middle right uh and diana uh the saint villiers some of these names feel like the kinds of names people
0: make up for their D D campaigns where they take like a regular name and then adjust it by like one or two letters and you're like you're this wizard's name is billiam it's not william mm-hmm. no it's billiam okay Billium, cool yeah Right, I would say, or Jarnathan in the D D movie. I have not, still haven't seen it. Oh, I mean, dude, Jarnathan is yeah. A there's, a Jarnath- there's a Jarnathan. There's oh, a Jarnathan. Yeah, like like we're gonna wait for Jarnathan to show up. It, like it's totally a callback to anybody's home D D campaigns where you just take a name and make it a little bit weird to make it sound like a yeah, fantasy that's,
1: name. That's fair. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Not Vesemir in the Witcher. vizimir with an I Z I instead of an E S E.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so King of Verdania, not uh not the Witcher Vesemir. So. Right, right, right. All right. So I'm trying to say it enough to make a, a difference. So Vesemir, yeah. I definitely. I also default to Vesemir like, because Vis-a-mir of. Vesemir other... or Vitsemir. Uh, I don't know if there's what kind of accent there is on a Z there. Um. Well, um, but all right. Anyways, well, let's talk about
0: when he gets married to uh Harry Potter's owl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> damn it uh so he was married to hedwig of malior with whom he had three children uh, his son <laughs> radovid the fifth and daughters dalimira and melina so these were all like half half owl half human children i don't know i don't think so okay <laughs> i don't think so no right,
0: i'll let the joke go uh so three kids married to an actual human person
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. three children uh he wished to join the royal families of redania and Tamaria, and thus offered his daughter dalimira to faultist the young king of Tamaria. refused though and so relations between the two kingdoms grew cold i don't want to marry, um, I want to
0: marry your kid get out of here
1: yeah well i mean as we know Fultis chose uh his sister over uh political arrangements so Oof. Oof. yeah so that's that's kind of what happened he was like no 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 no, i'm not interested in your daughter i'm interested in my sister i already got the
0: hots for sister so yeah leave me alone yeah, yeah.
1: I agree. yeah. Uh, during his reign he annexed arcsy uh when its ruler auduin died so arcsy is kind of like a small kingdom it mm-hmm. uh, bordered redania and so they just kind of engulfed it as you do
0: as you um, do all right uh, so that's like the early reign. that's as much as we know about
1: early visimir yeah not not a whole lot going on there a couple things um moving on to the big chunk of you know the witcher the northern wars uh so, in 1263, he united the armies of Redania, Tamaria, Adern, and Kaedwen during the First Northern War against the Nilfgaardian Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the bottle, bat bottle? At the bottle? <laughs> at he went the to the bottle of Sodden Hill. I combined battle and Sodden together and got bottle. Um, the Northern armies defeated the invading Nilfgaard.
0: So, it's uh, interesting. He gets credit here for uniting these armies.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, he is kind of the biggest nation there so i imagine yeah
0: uh, yeah and he's known as the just he probably has a reputation of being somebody who's fairly upstanding for being a a monarch
1: yeah so it's like weird because like i don't know he's just like maybe like the casting choice for the show um but like i don't know whenever i see him in uh in the show he Oh, he's like, he's like the weird, like scrawny, scraggly looking kind of dude. So I just, mm-hmm. he just gives me more Weasley vibes. <laughs> okay. Like, 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 you know, it's like whenever you talk about someone being like a weasel, like they're more like conniving and less like, I don't, yeah. know, I don't get yeah. the just from this guy. I get him as more of like yeah, a dude hosting Bacchanals every other day. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the show, some of the
0: casting in the show is a little bit different than you would expect. Some of it's yeah pretty solid, but some of it's
1: different. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, after the war with conflicts still present, Vitsimir's actions against the North Guardians forced Novigrad into Iastapeli. We talked about that before, with like low or cheap items being flooded into the economy, so they kind of had to stop all trade so that they didn't tank everything take all their money
0: right and this is the break in the the war at you know that, that period of relative peace between the major conflicts
1: yeah. Uh, in 1267, with political tension on the rise, Vitzimir was summoned by King Demovan III to Haga and Adern, where he met with the leaders of the Northern Kingdoms, so Demovin, Voltis, Meve, and Hinsult. Uh, Vitzimir promoted an attack on the Guardians, as he believed, like the first landing, the Guardian invasion would never rest. I think he was probably accurate about that. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he suggested Croc on Crate and Ethane of Sedaris' fleets attack the Guardians along the eastern shores from the Yoruga to Ebbing. While the group discussed battle plans, Witzemir also noted Vilgefortz and the chapter of the Gift and the Art wouldn't follow the idea of an attack on the Nilfgardians, as Vilgefortz himself organized the peace treaty after the First Northern War.
0: Freaking Vilgefortz.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, we don't like him. <laughs> uh, he knew if Sintra were to be retaken, it had to be an independent Centran ruler, not one of the other northern kings. And if Emirvar Var Emrys were to marry Siri, they would lose the country to her royal blood. So he suggested she must die. Yeah. So this is another
0: one of those big plot points in the books is mm-hmm. everybody's going after Ciri for whatever reason they think is best or beneficial to themselves and yeah uh Vizimir's reason is she has to die so that the bloodline doesn't bring that kingdom into the fold of the empire yeah
1: kingdoms follow blood so you have to like keep that in count at all times so yep, yep. poor siri um, uh, and of course we know this is different in the show because to say was kind of the one to organize it and then was also kind of the one to suggest that she had to die i think so yeah say he is kind of the one having all the ideas and i think that also lends to the idea of him seeming like kind of like a partying like weasley asshole because he's just like, following other people's ideas he has yeah, yeah well he had these ideas in like in canon but he's not having them in the show they're giving them to other people so it just kind of like doesn't put him as much to the forefront as right. he might've been there. Cause right. it sounds like he took control of most of the talking during the, the meeting at Haga. Like he was the one pitching yeah. you know, the big ideas. It seemed so. like he was
0: of the Kings or Kings and Queens of the monarchs. He was the one who they all kind of rallied around his ideas the most. Mm-hmm. He gathered him them and- together and they
1: kind of followed him. So, um, Uh, As for his death, uh, the night on the coup on Thanedd Island, Witzemir was murdered by an elven assassin who was allegedly mentally controlled by Philippa Eilhart. Yeah, we talked about this on the Philippa episode, Mm -hmm. on the Dijkstra episode, yeah. Yeah. Uh, A year later, the Nilfgaardian military intelligence revealed the guilt of Philippa to Sigismund Dijkstra, Before he managed to arrest Philippa, however, she sent assassins to kill him and managed to escape, Um, which will lead or lend into uh, a lot of Radovid's um, personality and his like motives for things. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you play The Witcher 3, you know. (laughs) Right, right.
0: All right. So we talked a little bit about the Netflix stuff and how it is kind of different. Anything else Mm -hmm. to point out there?
1: Uh, yes. So he was present during the, um, failed execution of Kair, um, which obviously we know is a very show thing. This was not in the books at all. Um, so it was a completely added thing. All of the Northern Kings were there. Uh, I think Fultist and Vitsimir were like sitting next to each other, uh, kind of shooting the shit while it was happening mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. water cooler talk you know um, yeah so the, that magical scene where
0: Yennefer decides to Yennefer, Yennefer Yenne- decides to I, I took Yennefer and Kahir and put them together the same way you did those other words earlier it's yeah. a very human brain thing um but Yennefer frees Kahir by cutting the chains with the axe and stuff which it, you st- couldn't do that would and be ridiculous you know,
1: and then they somehow there's a the horse ready most conveniently placed horse you yeah know, it's, like just
0: like oh really this scene okay great wonderful <laughs> yeah um yeah, i mean yeah okay well we'll we'll leave that we've everybody knows our opinions about this. we've
1: we've had those show. episodes already so yeah. they don't need to hear it yeah, again yeah. go back and listen <laughs> to those um yeah. all right so what what else happens <laughs> uh so we also have the scene uh king vizimir was nearly poisoned and killed by two of his advisors but Dijkstra came to his rescue killing them both stabbing one in the throat and poisoning the other you know, makes makes them drink from the poison glass that he was trying to give to yeah, uh yeah. to the king um he then revealed to the king that the northern kingdoms had formed an alliance based on their mutual hatred of elves but that was no concern of theirs with calanthi gone deekstra believed the time had come to make a play for cintra Yeah okay and they're kind of on the hunt for siri as well although not as much i guess they haven't got to the point of killer yet um but yeah so they're just trying to find her um and then there was also a a moment where king vitzemir and Dijkstra discussed their next move siri would give them the rightful claim to Sintra, making redania the most powerful kingdom on the continent unfortunately unknown variables are made at Aratusa uh but even without dar they remained in a strong position right and I so mean, that's we, where we this is also the same scene actually but we basically only see him three times in season two i don't recall seeing him at all in season one but yeah but well, we, we may see him like right at the end with like whenever all the troops show up to the battle of sodden hill but i vaguely remember just Fultist but mm-hmm. it's been a minute since I watched him, but essentially you see him like in this scene in, uh, season two, we see him at the beheading. We see him in this scene with Deestra. and then we see him at the end, but I don't think he talks or maybe he's like angry yelling at <laughs> to say <it> or something. <laughs> right. Right. Um,
0: yeah. So if we do see him in season three, it's probably going to be his death scene.
1: Probably maybe a little bit like extra, like, plotting or something maybe if we start with an extension of like this meeting at Haga, i don't know
0: yeah yeah i could see that the whole like you know like oh things are dire for siri and here's why and then like all of the monarchs talking about that she needs to die or something yeah and then the next time we see him he's dying <laughs>
1: yeah that, that sounds about There may be some more like you know politicking during like before right before the coup on Thaned, mm-hmm. um or something but Yeah, I don't expect to see a whole lot out of this guy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, that's basically
0: it for Vizimir, but we've got Radovid to talk about when we get back from the mid-break, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Very well. Let us get this over with. Something has infested my vineyard. Mm Mm-hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil, then. So this is where we get to thank our patrons, and... Thank you to all of our patrons for your support. We don't have any new patrons this week, but if you'd like to join us on the Patreon, get ad-free episodes, join us for patron chats, t-shirts, stickers, a bunch of other stuff, then head over to patreon.com slash witcherlorecast. But we do get to shout out our higher vampire tier patrons, Ben of Temeria and Jared M. Thank you so much for your support and to everybody who helps support the show. Also, if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it out in a future episode. And Toasty, I don't remember if we did this one. This one came in technically before we recorded the last episode, but I'm not I don't remember reading it. It's from Anime 1984. Do you remember this? And it basically says Witcher lore fun and funny. I love this podcast. I learned a lot. Thanks a lot. I don't know if this is familiar i don't remember yeah i don't know if we've read that or not to be honest but <laughs> well there you go if we did if you we get did, it twice you get a
1: double you get a double so. but if
0: not thank you so much for taking the time to, to leave that quick little review and um sometimes the app i use like takes a while to update so the date comes in over a week late and then it's a little confusing to know which one's which but uh thank you for taking the time to do that and also if you listen on spotify feel free to give us five star ratings over there that helps as well and then you can even answer the little questions that show up for the episodes asking about what you thought about that episode so leaving positive comments in there also very helpful so thank you to everybody for your support let's get back to the rest of the show you smell of death and destiny heroics and heartbreak it's onion
1: yeah. Before we get too into, I don't know if you want to ban the Doge hype or whatever. Yeah, I noticed. I noticed the bot. Said. Yeah,
0: yeah. Eh, whatever. It's just gonna go away. Nobody's gonna respond to it anyway. Um. All right, we're back, and so now we're talking about Radovid. We're going right down Vizimir's bloodline. This is Radovid v, the fifth, the fifth in name, mm-hmm. the son of Vizimir the second.
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, Radovid the Fifth the Stern, um, what a name, uh, was king of Radenia from the Radanian dynasty in the last quarter of the 13th century. Uh, he was a polarizing figure, a brilliant strategist, and a superb general by some, a paranoid madman by others.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: uh, there were also many who took the middle view of his policies being harsh, but justified. Mm, so, like, his justified. mild views were harsh, but justified? Like, yeah, this is pretty... I mean, I guess it makes sense. When you got a name like The Stern, uh, It mean, you probably take a pretty aggressive aggressive standpoint hard. on matters yeah so yeah that makes sense too all right so he starts off like most humans as a child yeah. who was born as being born uh he was born the third child so the two daughters of king vizemir came before him um to of course king the ii and queen hedwig of meliar uh in 1255 in tradagor Mm -hmm. He grew up with his two older sisters, um, which I found interesting that they had different names. Uh, So Dalimira, informally known as Dalka, and Melina, who was known as Milka in a similar fashion. I,
0: I feel like this might be, you know, some cultures have like nicknames for certain names and they sound a little bit different than the original name yeah um and and uh, if you're not part of that culture it doesn't make any sense but it feels supernatural if you are part of that culture like mm-hmm. my daughter we call her laney but her her it's based off of her middle name which is elaine which became laney right like so it's not fair it's not you wouldn't intuit it backwards but if i explained it to you in that order you go oh okay i, I can see how that works
1: yeah mm. uh dalka eventually dedicated her life to the priesthood after her failed engagement with King Fultus of Tamaria, she was the one that
0: was rejected.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Poor Dalka. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who instead chose to marry his sister, Ada, uh, while Milka attended Aratuza to become a sorceress, Milagarda. Mm. Yeah. Fancy. So, you get a longer another, name when you
0: become a sorceress.
1: Yeah, pretty much. But also, another interesting thing that his sister was a sorceress. And, well, we know where his opinion ends up on sorceresses in the future. So hmm. I didn't find anything that said that like his sister became a casualty of him later on. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if it's the case, but I couldn't find anything to like solidify that. Wow. So, okay. Uh, so when Prince Radovid was nine years old, he was formally engaged to Cyrilla, princess of Sintra, when she was 12, uh, they were almost it, a which, thing. Yeah, which also, like, it's still weird marrying children, of course, but, like, it was, I did think it was weird that he was nine and she was 12, because normally yeah. we see, like, in these kinds of settings that it's, like, a grown-ass man right. being engaged to, like, a 12-year-old girl. Right, um, right.
0: But sometimes, his and this happens historically as well, it was basically the the value of the combining those two nations through marriage... Was more important than worrying about their ages and sometimes they would even like schedule somebody to be married like a baby would be born and so like Cirilla would be 12 but be engaged to this like one-year-old child or something like that right mm-hmm. and of course they would wait to the si- a significant period of time before they were officially married but that engagement would hold and would be enough for political need at the time to, to bind the two groups in some sort of union
1: um the engagement was formalized between his father and queen Calante, but the king broke the engagement off after half a year without giving any explanation and Siri and radovid never even had a chance to speak to one another
0: weird i wonder what visimir's basically never even justification met. was for that yeah yeah i couldn't i couldn't find that it,
1: it was interesting um So, Uh, moving on, (laughs) sorry, I can't, I need to turn off my discord. (laughs) I just just got a boop. I was like, what? Getting all sorts
0: of boops. Um, so we're moving on to the Regency years.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, so on the day of the day of the outbreak of the second Northern war with the Nilfgaardian empire, his father had unexpectedly fallen victim to an elven assassin. Um, of course we know what happened with that. Uh, Redania fell into chaos as usually happens in such circumstances, and Queen Hedwig was not in a state to control things. Mm-hmm. So she didn't have I don't know if she was it sounds like not in a state sounds like like her like she was grieving, so she like wasn't her, in a position to like take power because of her grief.
0: Yeah, her uh, mental or emotional well-being was just not there. So hmm. things had to pass on to somebody else to make decisions.
1: Uh, the aristocracy started to organize itself into factions, attempting to tear some land out for each and every one of them. Uh, several practically licked the boots of Nilfgaardian emissaries led by Shillard Fitz Osterlin and were ready to rule with Nilfgaardian blessing, only to be caught off guard and stopped by the famous Redanian Secret Service, also, or also known as... Dijkstra, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So uh, wait,
0: so so to summarize this, the aristocracy all strive to take power for themselves. Now that the kingdom or the king, the the line of the king was in turmoil. I guess you can say, right? Yeah. And Dijkstra was the one who holds them together, basically mm-hmm. stops them from breaking apart. Doesn't necessarily like unite them, but stops the like this is almost like a coup. Like these individual wealthy people yeah. are all vying for power and maybe one of them could take the kingdom but if not they could take their own lands and just not have to report to a king themselves yeah. that kind of thing
1: it's like it's like i don't know if they were like really attempting to rule or more like it sounds like they were just basically like okay redania is gonna collapse anyways let's all like take out our little like pieces of it right like, let's all grab our little part um and some of them were like okay let's if we if we give it over to Nilfgaard, then maybe they'll let us stay in charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we can actually like still have a Redania as a whole, just under Nilfgaardian influence. But yeah, right. and Dijkstra comes along he's like, ah, no, we're not giving up to Nilfgaard. <laughs> nope. So. Nope.
0: Which is interesting, because Nilfgaard's one of those empires that, as, as far as I remember and recall, although they claimed many different kingdoms and lands underneath them, once those kingdoms were claimed, they were kind of let left to rule how they wanted to worship how Mm -hmm. they wanted to kind of do their own thing. Uh, the Roman, the Romans did this for a lot of the areas and especially in the further parts of the empire, they would conquer them. They would take their share of taxes, but they'd let the people do what they wanted for the most part, unless they became unruly. So similar kind of thing. So I I can see why the nobles might go, well, if we got to report to somebody, let's just let what's going to happen happen. And then we can take a little bit of more control for ourselves and see what we can get out of it.
1: Some people are still trying to fight for the Northern kingdoms or maybe just for I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, there remained, uh, but a handful of those that were spared by the Redanian secret service, uh, those that important enough social status and armed might to maintain peace like Duke nitert Nitert. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh, he was put in charge of the Regency Council, as you know, was helped built by Philippa and Dijkstra as well, uh, and appointed to save the realm from a total civil war. And they managed to do so by hanging everyone they deemed a traitor in, spe- in specially modified fortifications with internment camps, most infamous of which would be Drakenborg. Wonderful. So, yeah. you know,
0: cleansed out the riffraff.
1: Yeah, it's not a great method, but I guess it works for them. It can be effective. So there's that, uh, its members, however, overlooked their underage crown prince course being radovid uh, and none of the northern kingdom's elites not even philippa who took it upon herself to raise him expected him to grow into a firm monarch who would repay all humiliations he and his mother had suffered during this interregnum
0: interesting basically
1: they did not have faith that he would turn out into an actual like substantial monarch at all so they kind of just were all like whatever
0: right but Uh, eventually he does he grows up and yeah. takes charge. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So he does, he does grow up. He does take charge, uh, and, uh, becomes a decisive, unrelenting King, uh, whose deed earned him the epithet of the stern. Yeah. So that's, that's why he's known as the stern. And in the next episode, we're
0: going to go more into the, the stuff that happens in the games and the things that happen after the books. Um, at this point, he doesn't have any children, right? right as far as
1: um we know in the books i'm trying to remember or he definitely doesn't have any children at this point i'm trying to remember i don't i don't know if he does i in don't the think games he ever either. gets any children yeah
0: I, i'm not sure that so, that happens in the games either because um, he's
1: so in the games his two uh wives that he has like they are optional wives um list like even listed as optional because it is based on what you do as Geralt in the games mm-hmm. whether he actually gets them as his wives or not yeah. so like you can go through the whole series and you could take the choices that basically prevent him from ever getting married and he just is like he's just radovid by himself <laughs> so much power
0: yeah. <laughs> geralt has so much control <laughs> yeah. um so. yeah cuz infected in chat infected astronaut says if radovid dies does his sister take the throne and if he doesn't have any, so every monarchy works a little bit differently. In some monarchies, women can rule, and some they can't historically. I don't know that we know.
1: I think specifically if Redania in this,
0: has rules about
1: that. I don't know what the rules are for Redania. I don't know if they have rules for that. But specifically, I don't think that that's like his sisters cannot take the throne because one went into the priesthood, and normally there's like rules once you like give yourself into like the priesthood you can never leave it Mm -hmm. so like the one that wasn't the the mage yeah the one that wasn't the mage. so she basically gave up her title for like you know a life in a a, a, like a church monastery or something a holy life religious a holy life yeah and normally you don't revert from that like normally once you're there you're stuck in and then of course the sister becomes a, uh, a sorceress and i believe that most places didn't allow sorceresses to be the prime. like they had sorcerers advisors but no one was ever led by someone who wielded magic so right so if
0: neither sister took control and radovan dies That means the throne is open. So now now you're looking at like people who have claims at a distance, cousins and uncles and uh, these other distant relations, other rulers from other neighboring kingdoms who got married to their line, you know, two generations past are going to come out of the thing, say, hey, I'm a cousin three times removed. I have a claim to the throne or whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's typically how that stuff goes. And then it's usually the one with the bigger army who ends up actually being able to claim it. So
1: So um, I don't know. uh, I don't think there's any listed like distant relatives like that, because we know we have like those relations between, you know, you know, Queen Meave and Foltis and stuff like those distant like cousin relationships but uh i don't believe there's anything listed for radovid or Vitsimir of that nature
0: yeah yeah it's the um, kind so, of thing that it didn't happen in the books and so the author probably just didn't ha- take the time to spell it all out you know to yeah, shed well, light I mean, on what that would have been we
1: see it like once Vitsimir dies they consider radovid to be too young at the time too um and they don't pursue that route. They instead get taken over by the Regency Council, which leads me to believe that maybe they don't have those kinds of relationships. Uh, yeah, surprisingly, maybe, maybe. So because there's no one to apparently take, the, or just because of the state, there's still a queen entitled. It's true, there is but a queen. She still. Doesn't lead the country like she like it would normally fall to her to do right
0: we also know that redania is at a state in its development where there is a significant middle class and the, there are significant wealthy individuals so it it's it's at that phase where those people hold a lot of power themselves and so if they gather together they can probably make certain things happen that in a more purely feudalist kind of system wouldn't have worked out
1: yeah Oh, and the other reason, actually, to because it just came to my mind because, um, in fact, an astronaut saying that a sorcerer's queen would probably be much kinder. The other thing is that, like, kingdoms are based on, like, dynasties of lineages. And as we know from sorceresses, they cannot bear an heir. So they probably would not put a sorceress on the throne either because you can't continue the line.
0: Yeah, that would just cause problems in the future again. Yeah. When so. somebody else can't claim the throne. That makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. All right. So that is Visimir II and Radovid V. And we're going to be moving on to Radovid in the games on the next episode. Any other thoughts or comments about any of this stuff before we wrap this up, Toasty?
1: Uh, It's going to be a little bit interesting because with the next uh, with the next um, section, we're going to get to a point where it's we don't have a canonical actual ending to this character yet Mm -hmm. like as far as the games go because we still have to wait on the next witcher game to know what actually happened in the witcher 3 uh like canonically yeah so, yeah. um, his, his fate is determined by you yet again. A lot of, a lot of Radovid is determined by you, right. um, playing the games. So it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, I have my theories for how, what the canonical ending is. So yeah,
0: we've talked about that a little bit too. Yeah. Um, but how that plays into Radovid, we haven't discussed.
1: Mm-hmm. So So, we'll talk about that more on the next episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the fun of these games is that while you're in the midst of the most recent game, your decisions are kind of Canon because that's, those are the decisions you made on your playthrough or on your quote Canon playthrough. And then you get the next game and they've, they've stuck to this pretty well over the, the series of the three games so far. All of a sudden stuff from the previous game gets canonized. One of the endings is Canon or certain things happen to certain characters and those now carry over into the next game. Cause they have to be able to continue telling a story. Yeah. So.
1: I also think specifically he's one of the, I, I don't think he's the only one we talked about, although. but like it's not coming directly to my mind, but he's one of the few characters we've had. That's had uh, a bit of a role in all of the games is mm-hmm. he's in Witcher one, two and three. And he is, probably if if not the first one of the first few that we've talked about where there's a decision that affects him in every single game yeah,
0: that's interesting yeah. yeah yeah so that's cool all right well we'll be getting into that next time also he's in stuff like gwent <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> was he in Thronebreakers? i don't think i don't so. think so that's
0: before him isn't it like chronologically <laughs> that might be yeah I don't
1: I don't think he was in Throne Riggers yeah yeah
0: Yeah. every so often I think about Gwent and I'm like I should go play that again
1: yeah and Gwent's really just like it just gives us little like snippets like you know like lore with it is there it's it's a card game so right right (laughs) most of the stuff we're just getting like needle pieces of lore yep (laughs) you know
0: that's true all right toasty what else do you have going on before we wrap this up
1: um uh if you're a fan of cyberpunk i do the cyberpunk lorecast with genesis uh where we talk about cyberpunk uh the tabletop rpg the games a lot like how we do on this show um and then uh, I also do the Cyberpunk Red live play podcast, Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk D uh, with the fumbling for an almighty crit gang. Awesome.
0: Yeah, go check those out. There's links on the RobotsRadio.net site for Toasty Shows and for my other shows and for all the other shows on the network. Lots of great stuff. If you're into other role playing games or really gaming or nerd culture in general, there's all sorts of fun things. So if you're looking for more content, head over there and, uh, my stuff's there as well. If you're into the Lord of the Rings or the Elder Scrolls or any of these other games, I have a few different series on those. So go check those out. And, uh, that's going to do it for this week, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us chat. And we will see you next time when we talk more about Radovid in the games. And until then,
1: stay safe on the path. See you
0: later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Witcher Lorecast. We'd love to hear about your experiences with the games and the books and the TV series and all your thoughts on everything. Please check out the Robots Radio Discord and follow us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast. You've been listening to the Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at RobotsRadio.net.